What a strange week. <laughs> yes, what a strange week. What a what a week we've had here at TWGTF Manor. Yeah, yeah. Someone's got some explaining to do. No, I don't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking don't. Don't you tell me what you have to explain. I'll explain it to you on the other side of this. Because you and I are going to have another Alien versus Predator Requiem episode. Yeah. I have more questions than I have answers. That's not a good way to go into an episode. I don't have any answers, so. Like, you better get some. I don't think that's going to happen. When the final reel is spun And the credits have been run You can count on the wisdom Of these two white guys talking film Just two white guys talking film Welcome everybody to TWGTF Or as everybody knows it from all across this great country Where you're searching for parents to the hood where you're searching for gold. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. You son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what you did. This this feels like the moment in the podcast where I, I go like, oh, we should watch something terrible. And then I'm like, I get to force Ben to watch something awful. And then I remember that I also have to watch it and then get very upset with myself. <laughs> yes. Well, before we get to the to the dissecting of these two movies, which I've got a lot of opinions on both of them, why don't we talk about the most captivating thing you saw this week? That's a very good question. What is the most captivating thing I saw this week? You should go first so I can look something up. Well, mine is pretty easy, actually, because I only saw one thing this week. It was a very busy week. I was trying to do other stuff, and... Actually, I think Mania took up most of the week, too, just trying to watch that throughout the week. But mostly because I just didn't get to a lot of stuff. However, I did manage to sneak away from work early on Friday. And me and my lovely lady went and sat in a theater full of two other people who were way far away from us. And we watched Judas and the Black Messiah. It's, you live in a place where movie theaters are open? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All four of them. All right. Well, good for you, I guess. Is your movie theaters not open? I think they're opening this week. I really enjoyed Judas and the Black Messiah. Have you seen this yet? I had virtual tickets to it, and I just, like, didn't go. <laughs> it's it's good. Like, it's not amazing. I don't think it's going to win, like, Best Picture or anything, but I think it has supporting actor pretty much locked up. Yeah, I could feel that. Yeah, clue. Kind of... And, I mean, I'll say this, too. It could be either one of them. I think it's going to be. Oh, yeah. I do, too, but I'm just saying I don't think people are are giving enough credit to the other side of the coin that you have to do for that movie, which is Lakeith Stanfield. I think Lakeith's probably good in it, and I like Lakeith, but, I mean, it's going to be a couple of years. Yeah, I think it is, too. Who are we fooling? It's going to be Kaluuya. It's going to be my... It's a movie about, like, the real-life story of the Black Panthers in Chicago, and it, it's got moments for sure. I'll say this, Jesse Plemons is actually an amazing scum, scumbag in it. Good. More Jesse Plemons. I mean, it's based off, what, Fred Hampton and the FBI and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. If people see Judas and the Black Messiah and they want to watch a really good documentary, there's the death 
of Fred Hampton on YouTube from 1971, which was a documentary being filmed about the Black Panthers and Fred Hampton that was being filmed up until his death. And then after his death, the documentary kind of turned into like a expose about how the FBI and Chicago police coordinated to murder Fred Hampton. Pretty much. They pretty much just, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the movie results in. I mean, not spoiling anything here. This is U.S. history. Like, this is stuff that happened. But uh, you're just kind of torn between, like, watching Lakeith Stanfield's character, who know, you know is just setting up Kalia's character for the fall. And it's just so wild to watch it go down. And also just how torn. That's the other reason I think Lakeith Stanfield really should, like, be considered. Not just because Kalia's is the more showy part. Stanfield has to reconcile with the fact that he's doing this. And it's the harder part to play, I almost feel like. From what I've heard, the movie kind of commits category fraud because yeah, it does. Kalia and Lakeith Stanfield are both basically leads, and so like the fact that they're both in supporting is like very funny. Because then who's the lead of the movie? No one. Well, actually, I would almost argue it's not category fraud. I would almost argue that I think Lakeith is actually the movie because it's kind of told through his perspective. And Kalui is the supporting because he's kind of the person at which, like, Lakeith is set around. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Kalui should be in supporting and Lakeith should probably be in, from what I've heard, in the lead role. But it just makes more sense that way. <laughs> it really does. The other way around. But they're both, apparently they're just both in, they're both supporting characters. There's no lead. No one leads the movie. Martin Sheen shows up as J. Edgar Hoover at one point. Brilliant casting. I mean, it's it's pretty on the nose, but you're just like, yeah, this this works. Would you like to know the other? I mean, are you going to see this movie? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, I would, might eventually seek it out. Would you like to know someone who shows up in this movie that you didn't expect to show up? Yeah, is it Bar- uh, Sasha Baron Cohen? No. Why would Sasha John Baron Cohen? N- no. Graham Green. We'll get to John Lovitz and Graham Greene and all that in a bit, okay? No, at one point in this movie, like, there's a plot to take Fred Hampton down by poisoning him. And Lakeith is in a club waiting for someone. And the guy who shows up to deliver him the poison is Lil Rel. Nice. It's so fucking funny. I'm just like, because I was sitting there and I was like, it was kind of quiet in the theater. And I was like, oh, and like, she was like, what is that? I'm like, pretty sure that's the third guy from Get Out. This is amazing. I don't know whose idea this was, but this is great. What if Get Out? I never went Get Out, but in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, I would say see Judas and the Black Messiah. It's not a waste. Oscars are going to be just finishing by the time this debuts. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's at least going to take home one Oscar. Probably. Yeah. What about you? What'd you say? Do you want the sexploitation film from the 60s or do you want a cute little anime? Ooh, sexploitation film from the 70s. Sweet. I watched Dorish Wishman's Bad Girls Go to Hell, which is on the Criterion channel, where it should be. And let me tell you, what a picture. It's about like a woman who, uh, after she's assaulted, murders her assaulter and runs off to New York and then and just kind of falls into this labyrinthian maze of running from police. It's great and weird and very low budget and it's very clear that no one is talking and they're all being dubbed. 
what's great is you have Doris Wishman herself dubbing like three separate characters and doing like trying to do like three different voices. It's kind of brilliant, like accidentally. I don't know if Doris Wishman was trying to make like an accident, like was trying to make like this like feminist dadaist film but like she did <laughs> so it's a very very weird little like art film not art film it's a very weird sexploitation film that kind of comes across like an experimental french new wave film because like no one is talking when you see them they're like what'll happen is it'll cut away from people talking to the person like listening to the other person talk so that it's easier to dub so you don't have to dub to what their mouth is saying how interesting and, it kind of feels like like a weird artistic choice, but you know it's not an artistic choice. It's a budgetary choice. But yet it's still like, I don't know. It feels kind of dreamlike and hallucinatory in a way that only the very low budget sex films from independent America and like Japan really feel like. Where you're just like, they're kind of allowed to do like whatever. And they kind of sometimes come across this like very very weird very strange vibes and this movie's mm. one of them yeah bad girls go to hell it's only like an hour long i watched it after watching measures of the afternoon which is a very canon experimental art short film by mara Deeran. they both just kind of went really well with one another huh. one was like very highbrow one was very lowbrow and they just kind of perfectly matched it was very strange but yeah, I recommend Bad Girls Go to Hell. Interesting. Bad Girls Go to Hell. Okay, I'm going to look this up on the Criterion channel. Like I said, it's 105 minutes. It's short. It's jazzy. You'll know if you want to continue to watch it after the first like five minutes of the movie. It's like, well, if this is a train you want to get off, you should probably get off now. And if not, it's just going to be more of this. You're not wrong. That usually is your recommendations with movies. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, it's a good thing. No, it's a good thing. No, like, I think a movie should put you to its decision of whether you want to stick with it in the first 15 minutes. Like, that should really give you a good setting of what the tone and pace is. Yeah, no, that's no insult. Like, your movies do that. Speaking of a movie that tells you whether or not you want to stick with it within the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that would perfectly lead us on to our first movie. So why don't you, like the young man's name, go north and tell us what this is about. 1994, you could have picked so many movies I enjoyed. I'm just going to read this review from Roger Ebert. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anybody would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. From critic Roger Ebert and his review of the 1994 film starring Julia Rees-Dreyfus, John Ritter, Elijah Wood, Bruce Willis, Jason Alexander, and John Lovitz. It is, of course, from Rob Renner, based on the book by Alan Zwabel North. So, while everyone speculated as to what could possibly be bothering last season's most valuable player, North left the field and headed straight for his secret spot. Yes, North had a secret spot. You know the kind of spot I'm talking about. A place that's just ordinary to everyone else, but for some reason is special only to you. Because no matter where it is, this is the spot where you can go and feel that you're away from everyone and everything. The spot where you can go and do your best thinking. The one place where you can go to reflect upon what was, mull over what is, 
or just sit back, close your eyes, and change the world into whatever you wish it could be. Now, it's my guess that even North couldn't remember when his spot first revealed its special powers to him. Nor did it even matter at this point. What was important was, whenever he sat in that huge armchair, he looked like any other kid just waiting for his parents to finish their Easter shopping. And he was sitting on that very spot the first time I saw him. Why don't they like me? What did I do wrong? You okay, kid? Yeah. Good. Because I only got a ten-minute break. My back is killing me. The last thing I need is to listen to somebody else's problems. You hungry? No, thanks. Good. Because I'm starving. This is my last carrot. So, who are you? I'm North. See your name on maps. Very impressive. Who are you? I'm the Easter Bunny. Third floor, toys. Oh. At least until Sunday, that is. And then what do you do? Whatever I want. Independently wealthy. Fourth of July, might be Uncle Sam. Christmas, maybe Santa Claus. My life's a holiday. How about yours? Not lately. I had a real bad game today. How bad? I walked nine Panthers and hit my coach's wife with a wild pitch. That's bad. What, you got something on your mind? Well, what is it? I thought you didn't want to hear anyone else's problems. You always believe everything a stranger tells you? Come on, spill. Ah, uh, you wouldn't understand. Try me. It's my folks. Yeah. What about them? I don't know. All they care about is themselves. Selfish folks. That is rough. They don't know what a good thing they got in you, right? Exactly. And they're the only ones. You should hear what all the other parents say about me. North's room is always clean. North always looks both ways. North never spoils his appetite. North flosses. Holy mackerel, your folks are sitting on a gold mine. Tell me about it. You realize, of course, that you're not alone. What do you mean? Look, kid, just because I'm in a bunny suit doesn't mean I haven't stumbled across a basic truth now and then. The feeling of being insufficiently appreciated is a common childhood lament. I'm not common. Of course you're not. But I will bet you that even Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, who wrote a symphony by the age of three, mind you, had more than a few evenings then with an angry parent yelling, Stop banging on that damn piano and go to bed, Mozart. Yeah, fine. But Mr. Mozart's dead and I'm alive. So I'll bet you that right now I'm in a lot more pain than he is. Hard to argue with that one. At this point, I even settle for Mozart's parents. Well, unfortunately, you don't get to make that choice, kid. The one thing that we cannot control in this life is who our parents are. You dealt the hand, you're stuck with it. It's not like baseball, where if you don't like the deal you have with one team, you can become a free agent and try to get a better deal with another team. Another team? This is real life, kid. The rules are different. Listen, I gotta get back upstairs. If you want my advice, and I know you didn't ask for it, go home, make up, and goodbye. Could have watched Little Rascals, could have watched Page Master, could have watched The Lion King. All of these could have been watched, but you picked North. I'm pretty sure Lion King is 95. It says 94 here. Really? 
Yeah. It's the end. Could have picked Palm Poco. Could have picked D2. The Mighty Ducks are back. Palm Poco. I don't know. Some Japanese movie. I've heard it's good. I think it's by somebody pretty famous. I'm pretty sure. Palm Poco. Okay. So North. Yeah. This movie's bad. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's not good. I am not willing to agree with Roger Ebert's review of this is like the worst thing he's oh, ever seen. I kind of get where he's coming from. This movie is fucking. It's not just like, it's not like just bad. It's just like confusing because you're just like, who the fuck wants this? Like, who wants this movie? Because you... it's not really for kids. It feels like it should be a kids movie, but like the jokes are like way too adult. Do you understand what I think he's trying to do here? I think he's trying to do. Like a screwball or like absurdist okay. comedy. Okay, good. I honestly think he's trying to do a screwball comedy mixed with like one of those like Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of movies. I think so too. It feels very deliberate in what he's attempting to do. I'm just like, who wants this? Like, who do you think your target audience is? Because at moments it feels like two diametric sides. You know what I mean? I understand what you mean. Well, yeah, let's talk about this. There is a boy named North who's played by Elijah Wood. Or as you said last week, Elliot Wood. And I was like, oh, Elliot Gould and Elijah Wood had a kid. That's nice. That's that's Um, good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I'd be either the most confident child in the world or the least confident child in the world. Porcano Lostos, you know? Yeah. So Elijah Wood is North, and he's a great American kid, and, you know, his parents don't seem to appreciate him, and his parents are played by Elaine and George from Seinfeld. I, like, looked it up, and I was like, is this, this, like, more Seinfeld? It isn't. It's, like, like it's during the run. Well, and we all know Castle Rock is Rob Reiner's company, which is what produced Seinfeld for all those years, so, I mean, it's... Oh, my God. Rob Reiner must be loaded. Holy shit. Oh, dude, Rob Reiner's fine. All the Castle Rock movies also are, like, the Stephen King movies. Rob Reiner's doing just fine. So, don't feel too bad for him. Isn't so, the like TV show called Castle Rock or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Ke- Stephen King sets a lot of his book is in a fictional town called Castle Rock. So North is tired of his parents not like taking appreciation of him, so he decides to kind of like emancipate himself. Yeah, he's like, "Fuck you, I'm out of here." But it becomes like this weird, like free agent thing, like the idea of like a child being a free agent to go to like other families, which is in itself kind of funny. Like, it's kind of like, I'm like, okay, that's a neat concept, but, like, that is such an upper-middle-class white concept. <laughs> like, that is... It is. Like, like, that is a rich concept if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. However, I will say this. I actually do kind of appreciate the absolute insanity of some of this. Like, the dude who is playing North's little friend, who turns out to be kind of like the Mr. Potter character, is so funny. What can I say? You came to me. You sought my counsel. Rest is up to you. Yeah, Matthew McCurley. Dude, he's great. He's fun. He's good. He kind of becomes like the like person moving the, the puppet master, essentially. I think that's funny. I think like the idea, like it has legs. I can see that being fun. It's just like, there's just so much to it where I'm just like, what? <laughs> like... The okay, so there's this Easter bunny who's a man in a pink bunny suit who meets North 
the mall at North Lake special spot, essentially, which is like this place where he sits in the mall on this like chair in this like department store, like furniture store. It's his thinking spot is what so it it's is. It's his thinking spot. Yeah. And he sits there and fucking Bruce Willis pops up. And you know, I, I was like not expecting Bruce Willis to be in this movie, but he's the, the second build character and also he's the, the, narrator. He's the narrator. Yeah, it's wild. I was like, I was trying to put. I was like, "What's that voice? I know that voice." It's fucking Bruce Willis, <laughs> and he essentially puts the movie into motion. After that conversation, North runs into John Lovitz, which feels like a very like weirdly adult character in this children's movie. He's like an ambulance chasing lawyer. Arthur Bell, at your service. The lawyer? Your lawyer. Now, from now on, we are a team. You do what I tell you to do, you say what I tell you to say before you know it. You're going to have the best parents in the world. What do you say, kid? That's so funny when he's walking down the street and you just see that ambulance go by and then you just see the car chasing after it. It stops, backs up, and he gets out. He goes, hi there, North, it's me. That feels like, again, like... The audience for this movie might laugh at the visual gag, but they're not going to know what the fuck a ch- ambulance chasing lawyer is. Well, like, it's, it's so weird because like this movie, it almost feels a little too ahead of its time. This reminds me of like kind of what Arrested Development would do. Kind of. I don't think all of the jokes land. I think there's like long dead periods of like either like just bad jokes. Oh, like, yeah. Just, like, really just like not fun material especially when they once they get to texas it really the movie takes a real down down oh oh see i think texas is a high point whereas when they get to the great white north there's some more problematic stuff right there definitely a moment i think for everyone when this movie just it it, it goes from being a fastball to being a curveball in the dirt like it just falls off a fucking cliff so north's parents are jason alexander and julia louise dreyfus when he says he wants to emancipate them from them essentially and become a free agent, they become shocked and fall over. And I'll say at the scene in court where they're just like on gurneys, like being propped up is so funny to me. It, that's very funny. It's very strange to see whatever the fuck Alan Arkin's doing in this movie. Now then, let me remind you, this is a trial. This is not a hearing. Even though both sides will be saying things and I will be hearing them, it is still not a hearing. No doubt you'll all be hearing the same things that I am hearing. That's your privilege. However, once both sides have been heard, then it'll be my job to pass judgment. Obviously, you can all pass judgment too, but it won't count. That's because I am the one who is the judge. Have I made myself clear to the plaintiff? Yes, Your Honor, it is quite clear to the plaintiff. Very good. Have I made myself clear to the defense? Your Honor, the defense rests. Alan Arkin is in another movie, and nobody's he's, aware of that. He's given heat in whatever movie he's in. It's not this movie. It's not the proper movie that you're he's in, but he's given water. heat. <laughs> your, your ruling does not matter. Mine does. You can have your own thoughts on it, but my ruling is what matters. He walked onto set and was like, I'm going to be the most Jewish I can possibly be today. Yeah, he really, really is. And so he went for it. So he wins the case, and North has, I believe, until Labor Day to find another family, take his family back, or he will be remanded to an orphanage. 
So he first sets off for the great state of Which Texas. Is so insane. Yeah. It's such a great premise. This movie is so bad, but it's so watchable. Because you're sitting there and you're like, that's fucking little Elijah Wood. What are you going to get into? I watched this movie in four sections. Every night I got home and I watched like 20 minutes of it. It was delightful. I mean, it also doesn't hurt that the movie we're going to follow this with is so unabashedly bad that this actually might look okay. Yeah, that movie was awful. Oh, we'll get there. So he goes to Texas, and his first family is Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre. And I'll say it, the best, the best joke that no child is going to get is him handing back a contract and saying, like, I think you should have the Astros back. That's pretty solid. Come on, um, that's great. That's pretty good. That big uh, stupid dance number. The thing is, like, the song is about, like, their other dead kid. I know. And it's like, what's funny about that? Like, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's so bleak at times. Well, and you're just like, not only that, but like, they don't really know what they're trying to play the laughs for. It feels like the movie at times feels so broad, so wide that you're just like, okay, obviously it's for children. And then it's like so narrow <laughs> and like so specific. You're like, okay, obviously this isn't for kids. So I'm just like, who is this movie for? Like I said, I think this was a movie that's like kind of supposed to be like this weird satirical comedy that just doesn't work in some ways. It does not play very well. So in my opinion. the other thing you have to keep knowing is Bruce Willis keeps showing up and like he's essentially like the guy who's guiding him along this journey without like being there. Like and none of the characters he's playing are the same person, or at least we're supposed to believe that. It feels very dreamlike. In some of the logic. And it makes sense. I think once you get to the actual divorce. It kind of makes sense. How wacky things get. I feel like if this movie would have been made in 97. There would have been a little bit of a roadmap Of how to make this specific type of. Children's entertainment. Because like Nickelodeon would have had like. Hey dude and. Pete and Pete and stuff like that and like mm. shows that like kids actually liked that do kind of have this like cinematic quality and also feel like they're being told by kids for kids we'll get to why it gets this way but this is supposed to feel like a story being told to us by a child yeah so it feels true. very grandiose and very kind of like dreamlike in some of its logic and sort of like moon logic -y. with like the way the jokes are constructed with this very specific almost vaudevillian structure that comes from Kyle Reiner being like a genius a, a comedian from like back in the day with like Mel Brooks which is who you know where Rob Reiner gets it mm -hmm. it just kind of doesn't me mesh like very well with what it's doing it just kind of seems like two separate sensibilities that don't really work well together yeah i mean it's it's very strange because like there are moments of this movie that i actually think do work like i think when it goes full screwball i like it but when it's trying to like do the like i love the fact that like lovitz and matthew mccurley are like working together for Lovitz to become president. Like, that's just a background subplot that's going yeah. on, and it's so funny. There's, like, images where, like, they put a kid's face on Mount Rushmore. Like, that's just, like, a funny image. I love that, like, also, it stirs a controversy where, like, parents are afraid, like, that children are going to take over. Yeah. Like, again, like, there's, like, funny ideas in it. I just think, like, the sensibility of, like, this traditional whip-smart a joke a minute style 
this like very screwball sensibility does not mesh with this like this very like more modern kind of kid sensibility like i said i think had it come out like a couple years later it would have been shot kind of like a pete and pete episode because that's That's kind of what it felt like a little bit yeah that's not that's not untrue about pete and pete i was trying to explain that salute your shorts yeah I was trying to explain Pete and Pete to her the other night. She's like, I've never heard of this. And I was like, that is so sad. Just play yeah. Polaris Hey Sandy over and over and over again. Oh, is that the the, the theme song? That's the theme song. Hey yeah. Sandy, whoa. I'm sure that'll jog her memory. You're right. It's, it's a fucking great song. That's a, it's, a whipping song. Oh, it's a great opening. He then moves on to Alaska, where we meet his next family who is played by Graham Greene and Kathy Bates. And you're saying to yourself, well, Graham Greene sounds like he could play an Eskimo, but Kathy Bates, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm going to tell you something. You're absolutely right. But what makes even less sense is when their grandfather shows up, who's played by Abe Vigoda. <laughs> Why does this scene exist? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so for years from now, two people could sit here on a podcast, and if you told people what a podcast was back then, they'd be like, that's never going to be a thing. And you'd be like, okay. And you can tell them, like, yeah, we'll talk about how bad this scene is. Like, Graham Greene makes sense. He's, you know, a First Nations actor. Like, Inuits aren't really, you know, like, I don't know if it's the same. Like, you probably should get people who are, you know, Inuits to play Inuits, but whatever. This exactly. is the nineties. That's pr- it's pretty close to actual representation. Why is Kathy Bates in Yellowface? Nope, doesn't work. Why is Abe Vigoda in this? <laughs> What's happening? Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Doesn't the make sense. The worst part about it is that Abe Vigoda, they send him out to sea on an ice float That's to so die. Funny. That's so funny. What? He's in the movie just to be put on an ice float. It's so funny. It's, like, I'm sure that that's, like, a thing. I actually know that's a thing in, like, Japan, like, back in the, you know, like, mm-hmm. 1400s, like, they would do that. But, like, why is that in the movie? Why is that in this movie? Is that supposed to be funny? Is that a joke? It's it almost feels laughing? like... It almost feels like they did it just so when they get to the part where Bruce Willis tell Like, once again, Bruce Willis shows up and he's like, hey, kid, maybe these people don't value the older people, so they won't value you. So he goes to his next place. And where is the third place North heads so, to? Real quick, before we get there, there's one joke in this where it's like the plane lands and it gently taps against the airport. And it's, get it? Because Eskimo kissing. Anyway, that, that made me groan audibly by myself to nobody. I didn't I didn't pick up on that joke. That's that's pretty bad. <laughs> I like just I just I was just like uh <laughs> like ooh. So next he goes to the Amish and he's quickly discouraged because there's like 20 people that's, and there's no electricity. That's so funny. I just forgot my butter churner on the plane. <laughs> Get us out of here. That's pretty good. Next he goes to Zayar, Africa. That's um, r- oh, there's some there's some troubling stuff. And then after that, he goes to China. No, he goes and to Hawaii, we're just, doesn't he? Oh, he goes to Hawaii. That's right. He goes to Hawaii before he goes to Alaska. Yeah, that's right. Which, which I guess makes sense. And it's not as bad, but you're still like it's still pretty bad. 
what happens in yeah. Hawaii because they're just like this is just they're just like this is just like offensive stereotype after offensive stereotype. This is where the movie really starts to go downhill because like with the Texan one, I'm like okay, I get it, it's an offensive stereotype to people in Texas, but like they're white people, it's kind of funny. And then it's like Hawaiians, I'm like mm, um, you know mm. Hawaiian people have a, a really fraught relationship with uh, us, the white people. You're pushing the term, my man. And I'm just like, ooh, oh no. <laughs> what Howie made this, you know what I mean? I'll tell you it's... who it was. It was Rob Reiner drunk on a power trip. It was Rob Reiner. We'll get to where Rob Reiner is in his career after this. Essentially, call. they like are trying to encourage mainliners to come to Hawaii and are going to use adopt are going to adopt North to like put him on a billboard, which is not like the best plan. Also, I think he says crack like 15 times. Yeah, because they have like a picture. It's like the him, like the, what is it? The salt girl? No, no not the salt? salt girl. It's sunscreen. It's the sunscreen. Sunscreen. Yeah, it's the sunscreen ad. Yeah, so it's that. And yeah, he's like, you're going to see my crack? You're going to show it all over the world? You're like, you seem to be saying this a lot. What's what's the game here? All right, can we not say crack so much? Like, that's exactly. the joke. The joke is that he says, see, that's like the weird, like, it's like, this is clearly for kids because he just said crack like 800 times. But also in that same scene, Bruce Willis is a tourist with a metal detector on the beach. And he's, he's like a beach bum. Is that supposed to be funny to kids? Like, I, what is... What, what? And also, there's like a joke in it that's like the worst joke I've ever heard in the Hawaii section. Where they're talking about, like, Hawaii only has like 13 letters. And there's no oh, B, God, C, yes. D, or F. Which means he's only going to get A's. And I was like, I want to kill myself. That's that's where I'm at at this point. I want to kill myself. That's the worst joke I've ever heard. Oh, that's so fantastic. Oh, Rob Reiner. I mean, let's you know what? Let's just talk about him. Where was Rob Reiner at this point? So Rob Reiner at this point is on top of the world. This is, I would say, pound for pound for a mainstream Hollywood director. One of the best runs to start a career Probably of all time. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You want to go through these? Yeah, let's just start it. I mean, you know what? I mean, we, I'll put it to you this way. We've definitely done his first movie, which mm -hmm. this is Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. He follows that up the next year with The Sure Thing, which is like a pretty good comedy film. It's maybe not a classic like this is Spinal Tap. I've never heard of The Sure Thing. I mean, he follows that up with a movie that I know has been one of my best of the week, Stand By Me. And then he follows that up with The Princess Bride. I mean, next up, you could argue he follows one of the most beautiful movies about romance with another movie about romance, uh, When Harry Met Sally. And then he follows that up with a curveball, goes into horror and does misery. And then he does a courtroom drama with maybe one of the best Aaron Sorkin scripts, A Few Good Men. Based then, off the Aaron Sorkin play. And then does this movie and then arguably never makes a good movie ever again. <laughs> I disagree. I think The American President is a fine movie. Okay. But after that, I would say to you, you are absolutely correct. There is just this spiral down into just mediocrity. But it is a demarcation point. Like, you can see, like, there is a oh, yeah. pre- and post-North. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the movie ends with him getting back to his parents because he realizes maybe what he had was actually better than he... <laughs> he goes to China. A horrible racist joke happens, and then he leaves China. And then he goes to Paris... And the joke about him going to Paris is that the only thing they have on TV is Jerry, Jerry Lewis, Lewis comedies. That's and fun, like, actually. I was like, 
that actually sounds fucking great. I'd love to watch a bunch of Jerry Lewis comedies. He's got to go to fucking France, man, to get respect. He's got to go to fucking France, bro. That's anyway. a great Tarantino moment in Four Rooms. Might be the only good moment in Four Rooms. Gets back to his parents, and for some reason, they're waiting at his secret spot, or his thinking spot, and the judge is also there, which is so funny to me. <laughs> it Alan Argan deserves a free chiropractor for a year for trying to carry this whole goddamn movie on his back. That is very true. He gets back, and you know, this is the only part of the movie I don't like. It turns out the whole thing was a dream sequence. Well, it kind of makes the movie make a little bit more sense. I guess. Like, yeah, it's a dream is, is a very lame way to, to end. But it makes the, like, childishness with, like, North being, like, flown all over the world and becoming, like, a massive celebrity and, like, all of that stuff. Like, it makes it make sense. Although I would argue that it makes the stakes the movie tries to set up at the very end so fucking ludicrous. Why is he being shot at? That's so funny. Like, that's what? so funny that they're trying to kill him. Because, like, if he goes back to his parents, it'll undo all the work of the kids. Why is the movie trying to make me think this kid's gonna die? He's not. I don't know. I thought it was pretty great. When he runs past that chair in the department store, and just that guy who works for the kid is sitting there and just fucking shoots, and you're like, they just shot a kid. What if is that this... was the alternate ending? That would be amazing. Then this movie would go up there with Face Off. What if it was just, like, gun fired, and then the next thing you see is, like, an ambulance and just, like, a little gurney being pushed? No, no, you just directed by Rob Reiner. (laughs) Black screen. Yeah, exactly. Created by Robert Chase. (laughs) Who created created by David Chase? (laughs) David Chase. So he gets back, and it turns out Bruce Willis was real. He did That whole scene with him as the Easter Bunny is real. He drives him home, which is weird. And North kind of goes back, and the movie just kind of ends there on this note of North, like, reconnecting with his parents in real life. And I don't know. This movie kind of sucks. I, like, looked at Twitter for a second and then looked up and the movie was over, and I did not care enough to rewind it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not very <laughs> good. Like, oh, it's cool. it's over? Okay, cool. This is bad. I will say uh, the little like side appearance for John Ritter playing like a non-comedic character was interesting. Yeah, that's true. He just plays a dude. He just plays a dad. But did you catch who his daughter was? No, who is it? Little. Nine-year-old Scarlett Johansson. Get out of here. Yep. That's adorable. Well, there you go. And who's to say it didn't almost kill her career? It might have. Yeah. Almost well, killed Elijah Wood's career, probably. It should have killed Bruce Willis. He's good in it, too. He's good with maybe one of the worst scripts I've ever seen for Julia Child. Yeah. Like, there's, he was Why do you think it would have killed Bruce Willis's career? He was on top at that point. Do you want to take a look at his career at this point? I sure. believe this is post-Hudson Hawk. Oh, really? I think this is downswing Bruce Willis. Let's take a look. Well, he's no, released... no, 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 this is, this is 1994, he does Pulp Fiction okay. the same he year. He does have Pulp Fiction that does buoy it a little bit. And then it's Die Hard with Vengeance, 12 Monkeys, and then The Fifth Element. Yeah, he's still pretty much on top for the rest of the 90s. Oh, he has Death Becomes Her, he has The Last Boy Scout, he's actually in a pretty good spot right here. He's in a pretty good spot. I know Hudson Hawk is a pretty big miss, he also has Bonfire of the Vanities, which is a huge miss. I think it's just the 
if there was no Pulp Fiction in 94, you're looking at The Bonfire of the Vanities, Hudson Hawk, Mortal Thoughts, which is, which is I'm sure, a fine movie. It's directed by Alan Rudolph. Is it not good? No, Color of Night. I was going to say. Then you have Death Becomes Her, which is, which is I think, a great movie. Underrated. But, um, is maybe not as well respected as it should be. And then Color of Night and The North. <laughs> which is like a string of just flops don't forget he has last man standing two years later which is pretty widely panned even though it's kind of an underrated walter hill movie it's like one of the last big walter hill movies i think it is like i know walter hill has more movies after it but it's the last i think real i mean even even if he just even if the next thing after north is just die hard with a vengeance he's back after that I mean, yeah, but he also, I mean, he has Pulp Fiction and he really is on top until, you know, what does actually really hit the fucking bricks of his career. And it's a movie that I love. Unbreakable and Disney's The Kid, I think, back to back, really. I, I love Unbreakable. I love Unbreakable, too. And I think I think The Kid is OK. <sighs> yeah, but I just I really think at that point, there's just nothing. Ooh, you also should could like say the whole, the whole nine yards is a pretty big stopping point. Yeah, but that's like an okay movie. Ooh, and Bandits. And Hostage, and then Off and the Dog. And then... Yeah, it's it's pretty bad from there on up for Bruce Willis, but he's making money. Give him that. Actually, I'll tell you, you know what an underrated movie is in his run in the 2000s? Lucky Number 11 and 16 Blocks. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think those are both interesting. Uh, I think they're both good movies. Um, yeah. You want to know what, what he has... Coming up for us in 2021 and, and in the future? I don't know what Bruce Willis has coming up for Cosmic Sin. Have you seen any of the of the movies from 2019 or 2020? No. They all look fake. Like They all look like a movie that should be in the it's background. Another well, movie. actually, that's not true. Glass is real. I saw that. I know, oh, I, what mother, I know what Motherless Brooklyn is. Uh, I saw the Between Two Ferns movie. I don't know about Trauma Center or Ten Minutes Gone. Survive the Night, Hard to Kill, Breach, and Cosmic Sin are all movies I've never heard of and also Those do all sound fake. Sound fake. So Bruce Willis is Out- in Cosmic Sin. Yeah, it does Cosmic sound Sin. I gotta watch that now because that sounds fucking amazing. Out for Death, Midnight in the Switchgrass, Apex. American Siege. Reactor. Are the are these movies that he's gonna be in? Those are all in post production. Oh my god! Currently filming American Siege. And he's also apparently still filming Gasoline Alley. Wild. Well, I think we can say this. North is not that great of a movie. It's got moments where you're like, "Well, this is just odd. I can't believe this got made. I can't believe somebody put money towards this." But I just don't think it's very good. It's a real bad movie. <laughs> it's like it's like a movie where you're just like, is this really as bad as it is? It really is. It's not worth watching. I, don't do I it. I don't to think it's. I don't think it's as bad as Ebert's review makes it out to be. But it's not good. Like that's I definitely my, don't that's think it's worth on. watching. Like yeah. even as like a what's it? Like I. It's just not enjoyable at like literally any moment. What do you pair with North? Uh, a grave. <laughs> to to bury it. Real. You pair something real. Not mine to pair. I fucking chose it, dog. You have to pair this movie. Oh, right. Right. What would I pair with North? 
<laughs> trying to fucking pawn your dirty work off onto me. I did. I really, really did. You know what, actually? Just to show what a good example of a screwball comedy looks like, I would show them What's Up, Doc. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good yeah, point. just to show them what this actually can do when it's actually working. Do you want to take that again? Do you want to just pair it with Southland Tales? Why Southland Tales? Because you got North and then South. Shut up, Tyler. <laughs> Thank you. What are you? I'll be here all week. <laughs> I handed him the mic and he walked off stage. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, background dancing. What do you give North? I give it a solid one star. It, the movie was in focus. <laughs> oh, see, I give it two because I'm like, you know what? It's not as bad as people make it out to be, but it's not good. Oh, God. We have a new movie for the One Star Club for me. We do. We do. There will be another one joining it very soon for me. I think it, I think there's also I think it I think it might go lower. <laughs> I think we found a realm lower than One Star Club. <laughs> Finally did it. I broke him. He gave something that was actually a quarter star. Like well, what is I the did ne- it? I gave it to myself. Yeah. What is what is the next movie? <laughs> the next movie. The next movie is a movie I could not rent on its own. I had to rent the entire Leprechaun box set to be deigned to watch this movie. It is directed by somebody. It stars Warwick Davis and Ice T, and it is called Leprechaun Five in the Hood. Not to be confused with Leprechaun 6, Back to the Hood. It's a different movie. It's Leprechaun 5 in the Hood from 2000. Any gold food? Burger probably still good. Burger probably good, huh? What the fuck? Holy shit. You midget Midas motherfucker. You slug, look at this shit.
at last. Free at last. Hell Thank is... God Almighty. Free at last. <laughs> I will say, there's a lot of things wrong with this movie. But the funniest moment in this movie is where the three boys run up to the attic and the, the it starts on Post's face and he goes, he says to him, he goes, we're not going without a fight, right? He goes, absolutely. And he, he, he bumps fists with uh, Stray and Stray goes, not going out without a fight. Turns to Butch and he goes, you got it. And then Butch turns to the leprechaun and he goes, not going out without a fight. He goes, right. And like they, they bump fists and there's like 13 seconds of silence and they cut to Warwick Davis's face being like, they're about to get it. And then they all scream like a cartoon and Warwick Davis is just laughing in the background. It's the funniest moment I've seen in a movie in a month. I'll say it. I mean, where could you go after you take a leprechaun to space? You know, is that what the Leprechaun <laughs> Four was? Leprechaun Four is. I I tried to watch Leprechaun One this afternoon. I fell asleep immediately. It's not good. I don't remember it being good. Like, how I, did the this movie... movie garner this many films? It's because there was a sequel. Okay, so the first. Okay, I'm going to give you some Leprechaun history. The first Leprechaun movie is not good. It's a straight horror movie, but David's kind of did like a because uh, Warwick Davis is a funny guy. He kind of did a Freddy take on it. It was released on St. Patrick's Day. It was it was shot on a million dollar budget and brought in eight point six million dollars. Holy because, holy shit. Which is which is a, a, for Trimark at the time, a lot of money. So Trimark immediately makes a sequel that's like direct to like direct to video called Leprechaun 2, or also known apparently as One Wedding and a Lots of Funerals, which is hilarious which is it brought in two million dollars and then they had one of my fave and quentin tarantino's fave directors the guy i've brought up before i think brought up last week when i was talking about it brian chetrarch smith come in and he filmed like back he filmed 95 a direct video direct uh, straight to video leprechaun 3 and then leprechaun space and then this is the movie after those so it was just kind of like after the first two like immediately in the direct bin of like this is straight to video movies so like this isn't so the fact that there's a leprechaun series dvd box set is kind of hilarious because like most of the movies in the set aren't like never were released in theaters (laughs) this is not a good movie this is bad. It's like, a bad it's, movie. It's like muddy and like poorly shot and like like a lot of people don't really want to be there. <laughs> it's like pretty clear that like most of the people are like this is a paycheck and like <laughs> like that's it. Like not Ice T. That man is going for it every moment. I think you mean Mac Daddy Onassis. He's it's it's one of the greatest names I've ever heard. Okay. I thought him and the Leprechaun were going to team up at one point. I really did. It would have been fun. So here's the premise of the Leprechaun movies. If you take the Leprechaun's gold, it's not going to work out for you. How hasn't the Irish League protested this movie? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think we all I think we all know why. I'm like barely Irish, and I find this movie like kind of offensive. <laughs> Like, why, why is he a little, why is he a little guy? Like, what, why is he magic? (laughs) Like, what is, well, oh, that's the, that's the other part. By the way, I'll say this. 
are you ready for the funniest thing maybe ever said about this movie? Yes. So Mark comes out to the couch while I'm watching this. I want to say like Thursday evening. And he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Leprechaun 5 in the hood. And he goes, why? And I'm like, and I kind of I kind of <laughs> look at him and he goes, oh, the podcast. I'm like, oh, the podcast. And he said, and we're watching it for a minute. And we're at the scene where the three boys are hiding out at Miss Fontaine's house, which woof, first of all. We're gonna we're gonna get there. But we're watching it, and at one point, like they then go to the like the Korean grocery store, and Mark said, you know, if this movie wasn't just filled with stereotypes, it would actually be pretty progressive for its time. And I said, You're not wrong, actually. That's very true. Like I had never put that together. Yeah. It would be kind of progressive, but like everything is so incredibly broad. You have like the three guys. One guy is like, I think a kleptomaniac is what you're supposed to get from him. He's, he's a guy who's like constantly like trying to steal or like looking at things to try and steal. But he's like the beat maker for their for their rap trio. And then you have the two guys who are rappers, Postmaster P and uh, Stray Bullet. I do love those names. Postmaster P is very clearly like a send up of like conscious hip hop of, by the way. The two guys who are the, like, rappers are, like, mm-hmm. very clearly stereotypes from, like, early 90s hip-hop. <laughs> like, Stray Bullet is very clearly, like, a gangster rapper, whereas, like, Postmaster P is, like, a conscientious hip-hop guy, like, Common or, like, Arrested Development. Like, it's very clear, like, he's supposed to be, like, I care about my mom. Like, we shouldn't be mean to one another. Like... <laughs> Like, very clearly, like, that type of guy where a stray bullet is just like, we should talk about shooting people. And it's like, those two guys wouldn't be in a rap group together. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not wrong with this, too. But, I mean, <clears throat> let's also talk about their, their MC, Butch, who is a virgin and that keeps getting brought up. This is the weirdest movie I've seen in a while. So, it doesn't feel like a leprechaun script it feels like a script for a different movie and then they're just like what if we had a leprechaun in it it really is true so the whole thing is if you can get a necklace around the leprechaun it turns him to stone the opening of this movie is ice t and his friend in the 70s which god ice t in a in an afro is so funny find this leprechaun down there and they take a necklace and his gold and he comes to life Ice-T gets the necklace back around him, which turns him to it. And he also has this little flute that if you play this flute, it kind of just turns everyone to, like, look at you and, like, praise you for no reason. It makes you, it can make you, it'll make you famous, like the Undertaker. And these three boys, like, go to him to try to, like, like, audition, and he says, no, get out, you're not worth it. They come back to steal his stuff, they take the gold, and they take the necklace and the flute, but the little leprechaun who's been asleep wakes up, and boy, he is pissed. He is not happy. He is mad at Ice-T. I think it was very funny as Ice-T had a hilarious afro in the 70s. And that's it's never mentioned or referenced again. It's just a very funny image. Please give Ice-T a massive afro. I think it's very funny. It becomes now a game of like the leprechaun is after the flute. Ice-T is after the flute. And these three kids are on the run. <sighs> it, it's so tedious. <laughs> It is, but also, like, you're kind of just, like, you're kind of just waiting for the leprechaun, like, to kill someone else. Like, why is the leprechaun interested in, like, hip-hop, hip, the world of hip-hop? He's not. I think he's just interested in Ice-T, because Ice-T stole the flute, and Ice-T's in the world of hip-hop. 
I guess. I mean, there's a moment in this movie where, like, I mean, it's it's just it's so baffling. It's there's it's, a there's a the end. We need to talk about the fucking ending when we get to the ending. <laughs> we need to have a a dissertation about the ending. I mean, if you're talking about the scene I'm going to talk about, it actually might be the only part of the movie I kind of enjoy. <sighs> yeah. So I think, I think you're right. So the boys are hiding out at different people's places because they know that like Mac Daddy and a bunch of other people are going to come. Mm-hmm. And, like, try to kill them, including the leprechaun. They first hide out at Fontaine's house. And we're going to talk about Fontaine, Miss Fontaine. I believe Miss Fontaine is supposed to be a transitioning woman, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. <sighs> it's not. It's not great. It's not. But I'll say this. At least Miss Fontaine isn't a bigot herself. Because despite how ugly the leprechaun is, she's going to fuck him. Like, he's horrifying looking, and she's like, he's yeah. He's terrifying. Although she does say the right height, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, also, no. <laughs> so, yeah, Miss Fontaine gets, gets killed, and they're hiding out, and they eventually go and hide at the church, and at this point, they trap the leprechaun at the church in a safe, and here's the part that I find the most confusing. They have the flute, which they realize they can make the audience do whatever that... By the way, when Coolio shows up for no reason... It's great. He's just like, hey, I'm Coolio. Deuces. Yeah, exactly. And then... It turns... (laughs) They lock the leprechaun in the safe, and here's a sentence I never... I never thought I'd hear in a movie. (laughs) Which is, you see the leprechaun in this dark safe, and he goes, I call upon thee with my power, my zombie fly girl. And I'm like, well, this is a a sentence I didn't know was going to (laughs) happen. And then this hot woman shows up, kills the preacher, lets the leprechaun out, and they start going after him again. The leprechaun gets his flute back and ends up killing Stray Bullet because, like, he he tries to step to the leprechaun, which, yet yeah, that is a real sentence in this movie. Like, he does try to step to the leprechaun. Tries to step with, to the leprechaun, and the lepre- he has a gun. Yeah. And I believe the leprechaun makes him shoot himself. That's the other thing. There are no rhyme or reason to the leprechaun's powers. No, he just has a bunch of... Like, if you can call him a zombie fly girl, then he can do pretty much anything. Dude, someone swings a pole at him, like a microphone stand, and he catches it and then electrocutes them. I'm like, so he has electrical powers too? Like, is He's, this an Irish thing I'm not aware of? He is the un- he is the Undertaker. He has uh, unlimited mana pool. He can He's shoot the, lightning. He's, he's the little taker is what he is. He's the little taker, yeah. Yeah. Um, he is literally played, I think... Wait, wait, what are we doing? God damn it, Tyler. What are we thinking? He's the undersized taker. <laughs> Got it. Got yeah. him. <laughs> Somewhere um, Vince McMahon is like, damn it! <laughs> son of a bird! Like, oh, why didn't I think of it? He just crumpled to the ground and yeah. while eating a steak wrap burrito. This is all he eats. <laughs> so I rented this movie for Movie Madness, the video store in Portland. Yeah. Because it's the only way I could actually watch it. I tried. Means both legal and less than legal. And it was all fruitless. So I had to physically rent the whole box set. And the final movie is a movie called Leprechaun Origins. And it has the WWE logo. And I was like, why does this have the WWE logo? And then I remembered who plays yeah. the leprechaun in that. Hornswoggle. Fucking Hornswoggle. And I was just like, I hate my life. I hate that I knew that, like, off the top of my dome. I just hate it. I just hate, I hate this. I hate my brain. 
yeah, it's it's not very good. Neither is this one. And you know what makes this movie even worse is that you find out that the leprechaun, now that he's gotten all of his stuff back, is just hanging out at some hotel and is just, from what one of the kids says, I believe Butch says, just fucking people to death, which I don't know if that is what's happening. Great. But the two guys decide we got to get that flute back. He killed Stray Bullet. We're going to cross-dress. This is something that happens in this movie. We're going to go up there. We're going to try to get the flute back from him. We're going to give him some weed that has four-leaf clovers mixed in because that will paralyze his ass. And there's a moment where it looks like the guy who plays Postmaster P is going to blow the leprechaun. Like, that. that is a moment in this movie. You know what? Yeah, take one for the team, you know? No. If his face looks like that, Tyler... What does his dick look like? I'm going to say probably like a monkey's paw. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> they immobilize the leprechaun. They get out. They get free of all this. And then Butch takes a stray bullet from Mac Daddy, who's still alive somehow. And it becomes Post kind of having to give up the conscious hip-hop and becoming a gangster rapper because he shoots him. And then it's a fight between... The Leprechaun and Post, which I got to tell you, this is where the movie loses me. You know, I was already lost way before this. But at this point, I feel like I was bouncing in and out of consciousness. Like, I feel like I might have taken like a small nap somewhere during this part of the movie. Well, so what happens is like Post and him like start battling for the flute. And then like Post starts talking to him in an Irish accent. And then the movie ends with like Post all alone on a stage like, finally debuting as, like, this giant star. And then, like, he takes off his glasses and his eyes are glowing green like the way the fly zombie girls were. And then you see the leprechaun, like, behind him going, taught him everything I know. And you're just like, wait, what? So I, what I think happened, this is obviously conjecture, this is not real, but what I think happened is they were just like, ah, oh, fuck, we're running out of movie. Oh, God, we gotta come up with an ending. And they just, like, did that. <laughs> they were like, well, no. No, no, they also let the leprechaun rap at the end. Yes, the leprechaun does a rap at the end. And I honestly think that that should be the clip. <laughs> into that closed, the movie it, wait, that goes into it. the movie? I mean, that, oh, that could definitely whatever. be the song. Yeah, Dude, uh, I'll try and find the movies. I really tried to download them, and I couldn't. Well, who would want them? Yeah, that's the thing, is who would want them? They've, they just sat, like, not seating for days. And I was oh just like, God. cool. So, I'm going to go rent both of them. I guess the only thing we can really say to remainder of this movie is like, it's just a really bad sequel. And it's not even like, I'm not even saying it doesn't work all the time. There are moments in this that I actually kind of find enjoyable. The scene where the old blind grandma is feeding the leprechaun breakfast and like the leprechaun's not doing anything to fuck with her. Like he's just waiting for breakfast is so funny to me. I think there's moments. And I think, like, with most of the Leprechaun movies, like, there's there are, there are moments. I think Warwick Davis is, like, legitimately a very good actor. And it is kind of fun to watch him play the Leprechaun. But, like, don't watch this one. <laughs> as much as I enjoy Warwick Davis, it's it's not really that good. Yeah. What would... I mean, I guess now i got to figure out what to pair this with. Yeah, what would you pair this with, homie? <laughs> I know what I would pair this with. Yeah, what would you uh, pair this with? I would pair it with that Children of Corn movie I made you watch. Children of Corn like, 3 or 4, Urban Harvest. You know, that's not a bad one, actually, because this has moments where you're like, ah, this is going to work. I mean, it doesn't work nearly as well as Urban Harvest, but yeah, yeah, actually those two. And also, you know, you have the urban part as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Urban Harvest good movie, and it's fun to watch, but, you know, 
it it'll take the it'll take the it'll wash the stink out of your breath from yeah from this movie. you're not wrong on that i'm trying to think what do you give this i think i'm gonna give this one the first at uh, first in twgtf history can we do zero stars yeah you can, do, you can do zero stars well i'm not going to i'm gonna give it a half star <laughs> For Warwick boy, Davis. I'd feel boy, bad giving this. Boy, if Harry Dean Stanton was in this movie, it'd be a whole star. Whole star. For me, I'm gonna give it one and a half. I actually I actually kinda like think this is just insane that this movie exists, and I'm just kind of I would like to sit down with whoever made this and go, how'd you pull it off? I would like to look at them down the eye and go, what the fuck were you thinking? Takes us out of it, and next week, based off of how well this went, it's movies that Ben thinks Tyler will like. Oh, boy. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm actually going to adhere to it. Let me see. Oh, no. We're going to do Leprechaun 1 and 2. <laughs> oh, God. You'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like that. And this one comes with kind of a homework assignment as well. Oh. Oh, oh stop. It's like an hour and 12 minutes. That's so much homework. Oh, I have so much homework. Oh college i got papers i got away help me i'm poor so next week we will be doing two movies that ben thinks tyler will like and the two movies we're gonna do are actually starring a man who i think both of us hold in pretty high regard and that is the one the only the man who is much better looking than both of us but you know what never feels like he shoves it in our face brad pitt and the first movie we are going to view with is a little movie from 2001 and i'm pretty sure you're gonna like this one because it is directed by one of your favorite guys Tony Scott, and stars Robert Redford along with Brad Pitt. It is the 2001 film Spy Game. Yeah. Have you seen Spy Game? No, I have not. Good. And then we're going to fast forward 11 years to 2012, where Brad Pitt, Ray Liotta, Richard Jenkins, and in one of his final performances, James Gandolfini, star in the tight little hour and 37 minute film Killing Them Softly by Andrew Dominic. Yeah, part two. Yes, and I told you that there is some homework for next week along with this. For the purposes of comedy, I need you, I need you to watch Monster Squad. For the purposes of comedy next week, for our best of the week, I need you to do this. All right, fine. Promise you, it'll be worth it because of what I'm watching. Is it Monster Squad 2? No, it's not Monster Squad 2, you'll see. (laughs) And guys, you can, of course, follow all of our antics at TWGTF pod on Twitter. You can follow me at ET critic for the empty theater critic. Tyler, is there anywhere they can follow you that will lengthen this episode out to an hour and 10 minutes? They can follow me too in the hood where you're hanging out with the leprechaun. I'm hanging out with a leprechaun. That's fair. Well, guys, for TWGTF two white guys talking film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Postmaster P. And remember, guys, if you come into our store and you see a little guy playing with a pot of gold, just leave him alone. I have watched four separate movies come up to him and try to take that gold. It never works. A friend with weed is a friend indeed, but a friend with gold is the best I'm told. Yeah, we're going to do the leprechaun raps at the end. Just two white guys talking film. Ew.
from the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where I learned my thing. From the Emerald Isle to your place in the hood. I'm the man of green, come to do no good. Lep in the hood, come to do no good. Lep in the hood, come to do no good. Blunt is dope, this place is hype. There's a lassie, she's just my type. I hate to resort so soon to money. Haven't been late so long, it's happy. I'm so bad, I'm good. I'll show you what to do, so lend an ear. Don't worry, little lassie, you've got nothing to fear. Sit with the lad who's lean and green, and let me show you why I'm a love machine. Come to do no good. I'm a wee green guy who's new to town. Show me what you do when you get down. I'll go up, you go down. We'll call to see your love agree. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, when we're bad, we're good. Of more to your front door. Better turn up the lights and pray some more. We're gonna party through the night until the door. Then you and I are gonna get it on. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Hey, let's make Jerry's the leprechaun. Sing us the song of the Emerald Isle. Oh, tis like the singing of the angels themselves. I'll oh, take it was... from you, homie. You'll see. Because you know the leprechaun is the real OG. I think my favorite line is he goes, all kidding aside, time to die. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. What I saw like the first couple scenes with him as the leprechaun in the first movie. And I was like, by the time you get to Leprechaun 5 in the hood... He has gone full Simpsons leprechaun. It's just, like, it's just that. I wanted to have it be like one of those movies where I'm like, this is garbage, but it's fun and you have fun watching it. And that's why it's great. And it's, it's not, it's very much not that like at all. (laughs) So bad. Look at all these glittering goods. I've got more loot than Tiger Woods. That one is so funny. 